Hey, what's up guys? It's Rico here, back with another one, but this time it's a webinar one. Uh, we hosted a webinar a couple months ago on the four steps to find Chinese manufacturer, the same steps that my company uses for Asia that we've developed over the last 10 years. And it was so popular, we decided to do another, another one. one. So this is gonna be December 12th, December 13th. So if you're in East Coast time, that'll be December 12th, 8 p.m. and then 8 a.m the next day, December 13th. If you're in Southeast Asia and most of Europe, it's mostly gonna be December 13th. So there'll be one webinar in the morning on December 13th and another one evening on December 13th. So the link is in the description below to show you all the time zones. And like I said, this is on the four steps that we used to find Chinese manufacturers. The difference between this webinar and the last one is that we had so much Q&A on the last one. We had 25 minutes on the last one at the end that told me that people wanted a little bit more crowd interaction. So in this webinar we're gonna be doing, at the end of each section of the presentation, we are going to be having a live Q&A in between before I move on to the next section. So it's almost gonna be like, the presentation itself will be there, the value, but then there's also going to be sort of a live consultation that you get from me, personalized consultation for free. So definitely wanna see you guys there. Like I said, it's December 12th, December 13th. Link is in the description below. We're also gonna have a special Christmas bonus for people that attend the webinar. All right, see you guys. Hey, what's up guys? It's Rico here, CEO of SourceFind Asia, Coast of Main China podcast, and I'm back with another one. In this episode, uh, I sat down with one of my good friends and uh, business partners in Hong Kong, Alan Scanlon. And if you haven't listened to the previous episodes I did with Alan, they're both up on YouTube and also in the podcast. Uh, the first one was about how his parents, his dad built a eight-figure um, family business around sourcing. His dad has been sourcing, or his dad first came to China 30-plus years ago. Um, he came to China at the time when foreigners weren't allowed to go into China, so he had to go to Hong Kong first and deal with trading companies. This is how trading companies started, and we talk about it in the podcast as well, but how trading companies started in the first place was, you know, they had Hong Kongese trading companies that were... Um, obviously with Hong Kong at that time being a British colony, uh, everybody spoke English. Everybody still speaks English today, but like it was more so then because of the influence of the British culture. And, uh, you know, these trading companies were, they were allowed to go into mainland China, like because they're still technically Chinese citizens, if you want to look at it like that. So everybody that wanted to buy things from China had to go to Hong Kong first. If they wanted to see like samples and, showrooms and sit down with these companies that would go to Hong Kong. They would purchase it from Hong Kong if they had stock because some of the trading companies would have their stock in Hong Kong already. Or they would at least inspect the goods before they ship out. So a lot of times people would bring the goods from mainland China into Hong Kong and then Hong Kong, they would ship out the goods from Hong Kong. So uh, we talked about that. We talked about the process of his dad building his business. And, and then the, the second episode we talked about uh, it was how to build high-level um, contacts in, in, in Hong Kong. Obviously, Alan's been there for a few years now and he's he knows a lot of interesting people, a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, doing cool things and he's um, developing a lot of business partnerships over there. So like I wanted to really talk to him about how he thinks the best way to, the best way is to go about making those contacts. And then, yeah, this episode was also just like an update on where he's at with this business, what's happened in the last year uh, since we did the the original episodes um what his plans are for the future 
And yeah, I just think it's it's sort of like it's obviously a business related conversation, but it's also me just catching up with my buddy because <laughs> I hadn't physically seen him in a while. Um, so you know, if you like, I and I, I I like these kind of episodes because whenever I sit down with one of my friends and it's like it's just it's a very casual conversation, but naturally we do talk about business a lot. So there is stuff that you can learn about. I think Luke even said he'd taken uh, a lot of a uh, lot of information from the episode in terms of how easy it is to not easy it is but how much easier and faster it is to develop like a partnership in in china or in hong kong as a whole just because of the amount of opportunities that they are whether you're working with influencers which is what uh, alan is doing right now working with influencers in hong kong to launch a brand so by the way um this is part of a series of interviews that i did at this stage uh we should have madison ashley's interview up evan and earl from brutal brutal buddha um, uh, Nick Zebra from Enter China, and then this should be the last one that comes out. And those are all video casts, right? Every single one of the episodes I just mentioned are video casts. So if you want to see the visual, like in this video, we were at the Park Hyatt Hotel, Pullman Hotel, Park Hyatt Pullman Hotel, um, in the coffee lounge. The previous video that I did with Alan were on the rooftop. Um, so if you want to check out the, like I said, the video version. Um, check it out on YouTube as well. So without further ado, enjoy the podcast. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. What's up, YouTube? It's Rico here, CEO of First Fine Asia, co-host of the Made Channel podcast, and the host of the First Fine Asia YouTube channel, of course, sitting here in the Pullman Hotel. There's another name for it. There's Pullman. It's a Lane Pullman. Yeah, Park Lane, Lane Park Pullman Lane. Hotel. It's the Pullman, Pullman Hotel or Park Lane, whatever. Something complicated, yeah. But yeah, we're hanging out in the ebb and flow sort of coffee shop slash restaurant. And I'm sitting here with Alan Scanlon. If you're familiar with the YouTube channel, you've probably seen the two videos that we did at uh, the tail end of last year at the same hotel, except we were on the rooftop on the outside. It's closed now, so we're hanging out in the restaurant. seven eight months um yeah i suppose since last time it was before christmas so we were just before talking christmas, about we were obviously we we're talking we, the first video we did we talked about your dad's experience coming to yep. to asia and all that stuff actually i had a like uh mark o'connell yeah yep. he, he loved that episode because he related so much to, yep. to your dad's experience it's the, the aussie aussie mark right yeah 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 because yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. he's he went through similar experiences himself yeah 
I got a lot of positive uh, feedback on that episode, just like it was very, it was, personally, it was interesting for me to hear about somebody sourcing that long ago. And then I think the second episode we did was you just talking about how you built your connections in Hong Kong. Yeah. Why you moved to Hong Kong. I think we were, we talked a little bit about Lazada at the time. And yeah, it was, it was kind of it. Well, I suppose leading on from Lazada, um, you have to talk about, I suppose, the failures as well as the positive things that happened. So I was working on that for about nine months um, with a couple of guys in Hong Kong, uh, a, a local guy and then another Irish guy. Um, and things didn't pan out the way I'd hoped. Um, there was um, there was a shift in their kind of mindset and the way they wanted to approach the business, which didn't... Uh, Align with myself and then our family business. Um, we were bringing in the stock from um, Bailey and Brook, so we had it all in in, in a warehouse in China, and we had the distribution all set up, and we had the Lazada pages set up, which takes a long time, a lot of um, a lot of back and forth, and a, a lot of communication issues. And and we were using a girl in the Philippines to do a lot of that work. Um, and basically, they decided that they didn't feel it was working, and they wanted to change or move the goalposts. Um, so there was a bit of a falling out from that. Um, Can I, we grabbed grab the coffees, um, which was annoying and disappointing. Cost me, cost me a bit of money. Um, but I suppose you have to take the positives from it and try, try, um, cheers on, try learn from from the mistakes and just don't let it happen again. So what what um, what are the positives you've taken from that situation? I suppose really trusting and understanding who I'm going into business with. Um, there was a lot of, I suppose, promises made and people saying they were going to do stuff and, and things just weren't happening. Um, picking up on those signs as well actually would be a big thing for me. Mm. There, was, there was two or three things that I thought were a bit odd and that the lads should have known what was going on and they didn't. And then when it all came to a head, it was kind of it was obvious what was it was obvious what was going on. Yeah. So picking up on those points, and I and I suppose trusting my gut because I did, I did pick them up, but I just kind of put it aside, saying, "Oh no, I'm sure it's fine." So yeah. I suppose yeah, yeah trusting your gut more. Um, so yeah, and then uh, the cut the money the money side of it. I mean, it is only money, but it was still quite a quite a chunk of change. Um, and then the hassles with dealing with the family business with my brothers because this was my project and my idea. So dealing with with that was a big thing as well. I had to do it all while I was actually on holidays. I was in Australia for a wedding and I had to deal with it all then. So that kind of ruined that trip. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot taken from it. Yeah. Um, and then it, it kind of, it all, it all kind of went to crap as well as I was starting another venture. So like it was kind of a big thing having to go, right, I'm starting a new, a new, a new business and not letting that affect us. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was, it, it's sort of just after actually we spoke um, in January, I approached, and, and this actually leads to connections as well in Hong Kong. So the two, um, two brothers who own the gym I go to, who I've approached about starting a apparel range, a gym apparel range. Um, these are the rugby players, right? These are two ex-rugby players, yeah, and they're both CrossFitters. So one of them just competed in the CrossFit Games, came 27th in the world. He's the fittest man in China. 
Um, so we are uh, looking to launch in November. So I've been doing all the work up to that. So sourcing factories, uh, getting samples made, uh, getting all the digital marketing um, stuff in place with Jordan in, in the Philippines. Oh, so you are you going to be working? We, yeah, we haven't actually started yet, but we've been in we've been in communication for about for about six months now. That's awesome. um, he's he's a good guy. Yeah. Seems very no, seems really driven and focused. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like um, no, he's awesome. Uh, just to give some context, uh, Jordan is one of the entrepreneurs I met at the Refined in BGC in the Philippines. Um, he runs a digital marketing agency. Yeah. Yeah, so seems seems really yeah really good at what he does. I'm I'm very eager. He's got a background in gyms, um, which all kind of ties in, and he's doing a bit of um, um, health and fitness stuff um, in regards to was it uh, supplements yeah. as well for in Australia. He's looking at launching a company and the Fit Tea as well um, in the Philippines. So. Um, there's a lot of crossover there, and he kind of gets he gets it, which is good. So, at this stage, we we just we did our second round of samples with the new with the new factory. Um, actually, funny funny story about the factory. We I had um, I got a few factory names from you. I had found a few on online. I went to the Canton Fair and had about fifteen factories, I'd say, from the Canton Fair that I was emailing, getting prices from, and all that. And one crowd that um, I noticed because they make for an I a famous Irish brand, mm -hmm. a, a clothing store in Ireland, which is kind of on the lower end of things, and they're notoriously difficult to deal with. So I kind of went onto the booth because I saw the name, Dunn Stores, um, and was talking to a sales guy, and he promised the world could do everything, small orders, whatever fabrics we wanted, all that sort of stuff. So was delighted with them. They're also one of Gymshark's biggest suppliers. Okay. So that was a good tie-in, arranged to go up and see them in Jamen. On the way up on the train, I got an email from another factory just wishing me a happy Dragon Boat Festival. Um, had a look at their the email, the address, and it was in Jamen. So I got onto WeChat onto the girl. I just messaged her saying, um, listen, I'm coming up here. If I have time at the end of the day, I'll, I'll come see your factory if that worked out. And she was more than happy in making all the arrangements. So I went to the first factory and was given a different sales girl than the guy I'd originally met, got the tour, sat down, and basically they were said that minimum orders were a thousand pieces per top. They couldn't do anything they had promised at the show. Uh, and she had no <laughs> interest in working with me. And yeah. I'm kind of start, sitting there as a startup and they're the big factory. So no real leg to stand on. Um, left the meeting in the worst mood, back to my hotel. The other factory said they'd send a, a, D, a DD, isn't it? The, the, yeah, the Chinese, Chinese Uber, Uber to come pick me up. That went to the wrong hotel. I, there was all the communication <laughs> issues. I was just- Sounds, I was, like you, sounds like you had a China day, man. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> classic China day. So, so I, got China in, day, I got into the car uh, for 40 minutes, sat there trying to put myself in a good mood. Uh, arrived to factory and met, um, met my contact at the front so we arrive in go up the elevator and doors open and there's about 15 to 20 chinese people in a line yeah. with music playing clapping and singing me into the office nice so can't help you put in a good mood uh meet meet the owners all the usual photographs and all that sort of stuff so like it was just it was 
it got me out of the funk. Um, we went into the showroom, super impressive. Make make for a few uh, kind of up and coming brands, but the quality's all there. Yeah. Uh, very new age Chinese factory, like big into their Instagram and 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 big into the, the kind of Western tactics more so than being very very Chinesey. Um, the staff had, had all had a great relationship. It was about ninety percent women. But they all got on really, really well. Mm. There was a lot of their children were in the office because it was quite late in the Friday, and there was a Dragon Boat Festival, so really nice atmosphere in the office. And um, all had a huge amount of respect for the owner, but also you could see they were had a really good relationship with them in regards to like they were they were friends. Yeah. So the hold is hold is the owner. Well, so the owner it was it's it's owned by four brothers and sisters, and the. The girl that I was dealing with is the only one who speaks English. So the company was actually named after her. Okay. Um, and it was her birthday that day. So they're having a surprise 30th. And there is there is an older brother and sister, but like I was basically older than I think I'd say again 90% of people in the office. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they had they were from a family business like myself, we really related to. So we had lots of common stories. Their dad was in the industry for about 25, 30 years. And they started this, the sports side of things, I suppose, I think it was about five or six years ago. Um, again, they, they actually did a bit of work with Gymshark, but Gymshark left them after a couple of years. Um, they seemed to work with, with several different factories. But uh, so, yeah, we just had a nice tie there. They said they were more than willing to help me out because they liked the story and they liked the concept. Um, so, yeah, the first round of samples came in for them, which were really, really, really good. Um, so with the CrossFit Games being on and the two boys have been in America for the past month, that's put a bit of a delay on things. But um, we should get everything finalized and a photo shoot done uh, by September. Nice. That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah, I was just I was asking you about the age because I, I have noticed, especially with some factories in, in Southern, where was, where was this located? Uh, Xiamen. Xiamen. So especially with some of the factories that are more in Southern China, it's like when they when like the kids take over especially if they maybe they traveled abroad and stuff like that like yeah they're trying to have a more modern approach to to, to how they do business yeah, yeah definitely um yeah i I've, I've noticed that a lot recently as you said when they're when they are sent off to the states um it seems to be mostly america where they go yeah. and they come back and they're bringing their their ideas and their concepts into the factory yeah um i was in a jewelry factory recently in uh yiwu and it was like being in an office in Silicon Valley. It was all all done up. Like it just didn't have that traditional Chinese look when you walked in. Yeah. Um, exactly. Which is which is nice to see. Um so yeah, things seem to be sort of shifting a bit. They also kind of have to because competition for like places, uh people don't want to work in factories anymore. You know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, like they have to provide other benefits outside of just paying them to be working. And uh, well, I think it was one thing that I took from it as well, the relationship that the factory owner had with the staff. Yeah. Because a lot of the time it's the hierarchy team and the, the, the bosses in that oversized office with the tea set and, and the giant chairs and the yeah. wooden furniture. And it's very much so that's the boss and, and, and there's not a huge amount of communication, but this was a real friendship with the, with the company and in their in their catalog and the brochure they they had numerous events that they had days out together as team building um, and they just there seems to be a really really genuine respect and friendship between the owners 
and, and, the and, and the team, which is really nice to see. And I think it's a really, really, really good way to build culture in any business. Because um, then it just means people are coming in happy and they want to work for the business and they want to they want to stay there as well. Because I'm sure you've seen it a lot when employees get to a certain level in a factory and you're really, really happy with working with them. They always seem to then go off and do their own things. So yeah, do they they get frustrated with with the internal workings within the factory and just like not being a part of the decision making pro- process as well. Because yeah. I mean that's again a traditional thing with business in in China is. You know, when you're the boss, you make a decision, and you know tomorrow that that is implemented throughout the company, um, and that's just not the way. I guess millennials, and then what is it now, like Generation Y or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> that's born after, I think it's like 1998. Yeah, is a different thing. But yeah, everybody in that space, and it's not that different in China. They want to be a part of the decision making progress process um they want to feel like their opinion matters yeah in, in the workplace yeah. hey what's up guys it's rico here back with another one but this time it's a webinar one uh, we hosted a webinar a couple months ago on the four steps to find chinese manufacturer the same steps that my company uses for Asia that we've developed over the last 10 years and it was so popular we decided to do another, another one. one so this is going to be december 12th december 13th so if you're in east coast time That'll be December 12th, 8 p.m. and then 8 a.m. the next day, December 13th. If you're in Southeast Asia and most of Europe, it's mostly gonna be December 13th. So there'll be one webinar in the morning on December 13th and another one evening on December 13th. So the link is in the description below to show you all the time zones. And like I said, this is on the four steps that we used to find Chinese manufacturers. The difference between this webinar and the last one is that we had so much Q&A on the last one, we had 25 minutes on the last one at the end that told me that people wanted a little bit more crowd interaction. So in this webinar we're going to be doing at the end of each section of the presentation, we are going to be having a live Q&A in between before I move on to the next section. So it's almost going to be like the presentation itself will be there, the value, but then there's also going to be sort of a live consultation that you get from me, personalized consultation for free. So definitely want to see you guys there. Like I said, it's December 12th, December 13th. Link is in the description below. We're also going to have a special Christmas bonus for people that attend the webinar. All right, see you guys. Um, Which is difficult though for like a young person because it's a big problem in the West with millennials who want to change the world by 25. Yeah, yeah. Kind of go, well, yeah, there's also a certain amount of like impatience that goes along with that, but yeah. 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 But I mean, it's 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 a positive thing. I, I, even with my stuff, like I noticed a big difference between any of the people that we've hired that were 22 or younger. Like it's like that much of a difference. Like Imogen is 24. Yeah. And she started working for me when she was 21, 22. And her mentality is quite different from the new people. that Really? Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting how quickly China is changing in that sense. Um, so... So what's the next step with uh, with that brand? Like after, so, after the guys get back from the... So yeah, um, they're back, or one of them is back um, this week. So really go through the samples. Um, whatever changes need to be made, I'll sit down with our designer. Um, I had been working with someone in the States. I got through Upwork, but I've now moved to a designer based in Hong Kong who can speak Chinese. There was a lot of communication issues with the tech packs. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of detail go into them. So like, again, very different from a Western designer doing it to the Chinese factory and me being the middleman. Yeah. There was a lot of mistakes happening and a lot of time being spent on it and then that costing me money. So having um, 
a Chinese speaking designer that's based in Hong Kong who can communicate directly with the factory should cut a lot of that out. Yeah. Um, so once we finalize samples, which I'm hoping we'll have the second lot in by the end of uh, this month, should take about two weeks. Um, I then want to either do a photo shoot um, when, once they come in end of August or start of September. So we'll, we'll probably do this in the, in the gym. We'll have our kind of main core of influencers that we're using. Um, it's all gonna be CrossFit based at the start because that's what, where the influence we have. Um, we'll do a photo shoot, get the website built. Um, I want to run some sort of a, once we have all our influencers brought in, have some sort of event in the gym. Um, we'll probably have like the type of throwdown, we'll have some sort of exercise put in where we can have it all uh, filmed and, and recorded. And uh, sorry, in photographs. Um, so all the influencers have the same content. Yeah. So we'll give them all their folders on Dropbox and they can all post. So everything going along is, is all uniformed and all in sync with, with what everyone's doing. And hopefully do that for about a month up to the launch date. Um, I have it kind of penciled in for November, but no doubt there will be delays and everything. So I, I'd, I'd say if we can get it done by before the end of the year, I'd be, I'd be happy. Yeah. Um, and then what are you what are you going to be doing? Just setting up your own like Shopify store and uh, so it's, yeah, all through Shopify. Um, again, probably Jordan will be will be helping with all of that. Um, very much, very much, just online and influencer marketing based. So again, I'm taking a lot of stuff from Gymshark as an example because they've done it in, on that side of the world, and I think there's there's no one doing it to. Um, to a high level in Hong Kong, definitely yes. And our target, our main target market is going to be Asia and China. Um, with the growth of CrossFit, it's getting getting very popular in China at the moment. Um, and I really see that sort of taking off in the next three to five years. So I want to be there at the start. Um, and then sort of, and, and open up the brand as well. I don't want to just be CrossFit based. I want a, a, a functional movement brand, I suppose is the kind of is the bigger target um but all very much influencer driven um yeah that's the plan i just thought we were talking about this before we started um this is going to be a a left turn but how do you feel about just sort of the climate in Hong hong kong right now with you know the protests and things like that yeah i mean I mean, I guess has it affected you personally? Besides yesterday, maybe having to work. Yeah, I mean, yesterday is the only, the only time it's affected me in regards to anything work-wise. Just having meetings cancelled. Yeah. Um, and then just with the unrest that was going on, basically staying inside for the day. Um, it's more my mother ringing me up, telling me to telling me to stay in and that guy. I had one. I had one issue on. Luke on was joking about. You can't tell his mom that he's in Hong Kong. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> like, Fair enough. Um, she'll, she'll fly him out. She'll fly him back. Out. Well, it's 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 interesting to see from the outside. So a lot of a lot of the expat friends I've here, and if their parents ringing them up saying, "I think it's time right? for you to leave," and yeah. things like that, and like it is, it is. There is unrest, but it's not. It's not gotten to the stage where you're walking around afraid that someone's going to attack you because. They're not the, the protesters aren't doing that. They're if if they are attacking people, it's because people are standing up to them, and they're it's from both sides. Yeah, um, it's not unprovoked. 
it's not on, no, it's not unprovoked, but as well, they're putting themselves in that situation where they're getting out there and they're they're carrying weapons and they're wearing masks and helmets. Like it's a it's a scary it's a scary thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's definitely escalated way more than we everyone thought it was going to be. Um, I don't know how they're going to ca- come to a solution. I think. I think it's going to take a long time, but it's something Hong Kong needs to sort out from the bottom up yeah. in the government. In the government, it's it's very much moved away from the original bill, uh, but it just shows that there was a lot of unrest in Hong Kong because I think if it was just about the bill, it would be over. But it's not. It's about a lot of yeah, other things. Deeper. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The, the, there was issues that have been bubbling. Yeah. Exactly. And the, the bill just yeah. just um, kicked it off. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, like it's, I, I, I mean, I, I coming from Ireland and coming from the unrest that we had for so long with Northern Ireland, um, no, I wouldn't say it's not something like I'm used to, but it's something that you know about. And that was at such a higher, higher level of, of people being killed and bombs and shootings, where this is just, I look at some of the, the news and you see guys throw petrol bombs at like an empty road and lighting ladders on the ground on fire. And it's just... They're just causing hassle. They're not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I think we're a long way off the Chinese army coming in and <laughs> getting involved. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm more optimistic in that sense. And then just the same thing is like I've had a bunch of people message me. Yeah, hey, I, I, I know you're in Hong Kong. Like, are you alright? Are you are you safe? And yeah, like, no, it's completely fine. Like, I haven't. I haven't really run into any groups of protesters and it's like you know where they are so just don't go there exactly but <laughs> so my my uh, girlfriend and her mom were in pacific place yesterday and there was a load of protesters there but they they were saying like there was groups of four or five uh like multiple groups of four or five girls and they were like 16 17 years old and they yeah. had all the gear on their backpacks and their masks and all and it's they were they were nearly just there because it was the thing to do. Yeah. Um, so you're going to get a lot of that. You're going to get people who are just jumping on, but like if the police come along, they're going to be the first ones gone out of it. Or they just want to be involved because it's like... For support. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. Other than that, like how's life been in Hong Kong for the past? Yeah, good. Um, I mean, that's obviously taken a huge amount of the focus and that's nearly what every conversation is about um but apart from that big things get a bit quiet during the summer a lot of people a lot of people leave hong kong for the summer yeah and um, so things get a bit slow but um no everything else is going good um newland sourcing is is ticking along uh with a few nice orders um the family business the bailey and brooks stuff and uh, we've trade show coming up in october um which be interesting to see if that's affected much by by what's going on here i'd say you'll get a lot of people who won't want to travel obviously depending if it's still going on by october but you still might getting people not making the bookings now for their flights and stuff yeah um that side is it's going okay it's slowed down a bit um we'll probably do the same as we did last year where we were hoping obviously to uh, increase the business um it's going very well in the uk but are you still considering it Bailey and Brooke to to get onto Lausanne or and uh, no no that's just after what happened it just was all squashed because um, yeah. then we had we had hassle with getting the stock out 
um, and shipping it back to Ireland and that costs more money and yeah um, so yeah that, that idea was gosh so we're sticking to the original game plan of, of trade shows um, we do three in the UK at the start of the year and then the two big ones in Hong Kong um, so yeah next one in October 20th of October um, and then just yeah trying to pick up distributors distributors that way is that how like the the, the brand grew originally was trade shows or is it um, so yeah we would do back home in Ireland we'd always do well we'd have a sales team so for the souvenir business you'd obviously have the sales team going around Ireland and just with the with the longevity of the business you'd have a lot of word of mouth as well mm -hmm. um, and we would do the, the big trade shows around the country um, it's a bit different in that sense because people would already know who you are and they go to the trade shows to place orders and they st it's, that's still actually done a lot in Ireland which doesn't seem to be done anywhere else what, why? like it just seems uh, like if I, they know you why don't they just go online and well yeah <laughs> like or just like ring up send you, send you I, yeah <laughs> I just think it's an Irish thing to be honest a bit, yeah. a bit, a bit slow to catch on to everything else um, but yeah a lot of orders are placed on the booth we, we, we would do deals as well if, you're, if you place your order then your yearly order your, your bulk order then you get a deal Um and then as well with Tipperary Crystal, we um, we do two or three big, big, the, the big Irish shows, um, which still generate a lot of money. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, that's how the business is growing. We're kind of, you're always going to hit a ceiling in Ireland, which I think we've hit with the with the souvenirs. Uh, Tipperary Crystal still growing. Um, and then, yeah, and then getting the word in the UK. So we've hired... <clears throat> as well as the trade show, we've hired um, a sales rep who's got a team underneath him um, for for Southern England, and then we have uh, our Scottish our Scottish reps as well. So again, that's really just a case of getting the stuff in in a store, uh, and then getting second, third, fourth orders uh, once you start making sales. But you travel to the states quite a bit. Is that part of it, or is that more than? Um, I haven't been going. Haven't been going recently. Um, so at the start of at the start of the project, yeah. I was out there quite a bit for trade shows. But um, we have a, we have guys in in New York who look after all that. So they do shows in New York, Chicago, and Atlanta. Okay. Um, but again, so that's they're kind of doing that on their own bat, um, where they're they're not an exclusive agent, but they have they have the they have the rights at the moment. Um, and they're just trying to trying to drive it in America, which is just it's very difficult. I've been trying lots of different angles and meeting with lots of the big department stores and getting links into them, and it all just runs into dead walls um, or dead ends. Um, so it's just it's a difficult place to get the foot in the door. Um, Why do you think that is? Do you think most of the other brands that are in those department stores they have connections or like what is it like? A lot of it seems to be done through an agent. Yeah. So you work with an agent who's um, would be in with that store. So whether it's um, whether it's um, Costco or Walmart, they have certain agents who work who've worked with them for a number of years and they're experts at working with them. So when you, if you do go directly to Walmart, they'll give you a booklet of all their rules and regulations and what you have to do to work with them. And these agents basically are experts at knowing how to deal with them and what way to get in and certain products that they'll take in in bulk. So Christmas time, they'll take decorations in bulk, but say for candles, they want to take it over the year. So you need to have storage in America, yeah, and and ship it in when they want it. So there's lots of different 
lots of different um, barriers you have to get through. Um, and then obviously you're paying those agents their 5% cut on it. Um, and again, there could be all, I mean, there could be certain agents getting more money or getting backhanders or whatever it is. It's just little side deals. Yeah. And, and it's the relationships the agents have with the buyers in these places. So you've got to get the, the right buyer as well. And they're just so big. They have so many buyers. Um, yeah, I've just found that we were close with getting in with them. We've been trying to work on Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, is it Costco? I don't know, it was Target. We were working on Target for a good year and a half. And then again, it was just, you just run, you finally run into something where it's it's just not happening. Yeah. Um, but so we'll keep on chipping away. And, and again, back to connections, a lot of those connections have come from Hong Kong. <coughs> um, through the the lady I work with, Joy, who does the, who makes the souvenirs, the Cirque du Soleil stuff in, in China. She's based in Hong Kong. And... Um, she has a lot of connections in, in the American market. She's from New York and she's worked with with those big retailers for a long time. Yeah. So again, it's um yeah, it's kind of connections and getting that foot in the door. Um I've tried the cold calling and cold emailing and all that. It's just not not happening. Um what are the differences between doing uh, from I guess from a business culture standpoint? Business uh, the differences between the different trade shows like in the in the US, Europe. Asia? Um, it's kind of hard with the trade shows um, to, to like pinpoint any specific things like in Hong Kong anyway you're getting such an array of people coming like there's one year you'll get a lot of Australians coming and then on the April show you might get a lot of Aussies and then October none of them show up and you get a lot of Italians so there's no way of telling who's going to come and, and and how many leads you're going to get and how many people will stop by your booth. Um, the first show we did, we had the most leads that we've gotten since any of the five shows I think we've done now, but they weren't they weren't good leads. And then you get one show where you might only get 50 leads and and you're getting you're getting a handful of good buyers. So it's really hard to pinpoint the difference between any of the shows. Um, like the last show we had in, in April, we haven't had any any orders from or any solid leads from. Um, and we put a, we've done up a new booth and it looked great and it was all shiny and, and new samples and products and new ranges. And unless you get that buyer, that good buyer on, yeah, you're just not getting, you're not getting the leads. Um, and it's so hard to like, I mean, even like I know myself, it shows where I've walked up and down Oh, halls and you miss something and you yeah. go to the next day and you're like how did I miss I that I stand miss like yeah, yeah. you look at people who literally wouldn't turn their head when they're walking by and we have a this, uh, in April there was a, a condom company across from us <laughs> and of course they were getting all the attention and all the same jokes being cracked by everyone as they walked by yeah um, so yeah it's, it's, I, I struggle with putting like pinpointing um the biggest difference the biggest the difference with the shows <clears throat> um obviously depends on the show as well like the in the states the few shows i did were retail so you're getting smaller shops coming in and they're placing smaller orders where the hong kong shows you're getting wholesalers or distributors coming in um you don't tend to get a, any of the big the big retailers though again which from what i gather is because they've been in business for so long they're 
still working directly with factories. So they come to Hong Kong and they come to China, but they're going directly to the factories that they've worked with for years. And they tend not to go to the trade shows. Yeah. Um, and they're probably like getting approached <coughs> by yeah. new... They're getting new, approached by everyone. New suppliers and stuff like yeah. that. So it's almost like they don't need to do the, that exactly. much research. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had the... I had two buyers from um, Target. But again, that was through through Joy and my connection that she she arranged for them to come and see our booth. And they just came and to our booth and then left. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's... I mean, it's just, you need a bit of luck, but you also need to keep doing the shows, I think, as well. Like, it's not sort of you do it once or twice and then and then just give it up. I think you need to be doing them at least, each show for at least three three years in a row. So, like, the April Gibson Premium, which we've now done twice, and this will be the I know we've done three times and this will be the third time we've done the October show. So how much does it cost to, to do the show? Um, you're probably looking at total. The boots, so we're getting a bigger boots this time for October. So you're looking at about 80k Hong Kong. Um, you're probably looking all together, say 10,000 US. Nine ten thousand US for a show. Um, the fact it's not bad. I think the Canton Fair is more expensive. Yeah, Canton Fair is a lot more expensive, and yeah. it's just difficult to get a boot in a in a good place. Yeah, I think you Maybe have to. You looked into it, right? We've we've there. done it once with the souvenirs. We uh, we've with a one of the factories that we've dealt with for years. Um, I just would I'd hate to do it and have to organize the logistics and dealing with people and the language barrier trying to get stuff in would be so difficult. Yeah. So a lot of people partner up with Chinese factories to do it. Um, I mean, it's 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 hard enough to get it. Like it's gotten easier and easier as as I've done it so many times now. But you still run into all these issues at the show and trying to get like your lights put up. And again, I, I have a I have a girl Crystal who comes in and helps with all the shows. And the main thing is the language, yeah. just so she can speak speak Cantonese to the guys in Hong Kong. Um, so yeah, it's about yeah nine or ten grand I'd say per show. Um, I um, run the ball through my Hong Kong business because we are grants, so we get up to four hundred thousand Hong Kong dollars in grants for trade shows through through Newland sourcing, um, and you can use so if the if the uh, show costs a hundred thousand Hong Kong. I can use the grants up to fifty percent of that, so it's technically. How did, how did you? How did you apply for the grants? Um, I so I, I got in contact with Invest Hong Kong, and literally just met with them one day and was like, "What benefits do I have for a company in Hong Kong, and what what can I use to my advantage?" That's the, the biggest one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's once, once that four hundred k runs out, you're 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 done. But it will get us a long way with a lot of the shows. Um, and obviously takes takes off half the expense, which my brother, who's the accountant, was was pretty chuffed about. <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, I guess, where do you see yourself? As it might be different from the last time I asked you this question. Like, where do you see yourself in the next three to five years? Yeah, um, yeah. My girlfriend keeps asking me where we're going to go to if Hong Kong goes to crap. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I still see myself here because um, the big focus is shifted onto the. Um, apparel brand um, and I, I'd like to think Hong Kong can turn it around um, like I mean it's going to have like everything's 
what's going on. There's going to be a big danger. And I think you're going to get a lot of people who won't come to Hong Kong. They won't move to Hong Kong. You'll get a lot of expats leaving. Get a lot of local people leaving, I'd say. There's a lot of talk about people going to Singapore. Um, there was, I was reading yesterday, there was talk about potential recession happening here, which I think would have to be a lot more downturn to, to make that happen. But um, yeah, I, yeah I, think, I think for the next three to five years, still here. Um, I think it's important with with what I'm what I'm so trying to build. When I come to the Philippines, let me know. Man. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were to, we were talking about Phuket. Yeah, uh, I didn't say I didn't say Manila actually. Um, There's actually uh, one of my friends. Her brother is the, either number one or number two uh, CrossFit guy in, in the Philippines. Oh yes, we yeah. spoke about this. Yeah, I yeah. need to get his name. Yeah, I'm actually going to meet up with him. Uh, when I'm there for a month. So I was thinking of, because she was saying he's not like, he's really talented at what he does, but he doesn't really think about the business side of things. Okay. Leverage. Do you know what is, is he on Instagram? I, I'll, I'll have you, Yeah. Like. Send it on to me. Yeah. Cause so, I'm, I'm actually like, as I was saying to you about the influence, like at the start, it's going to be Hong Kong focused. Yeah. And obviously with the gym and, and there's certain people in the gym who are at a, at a certain level of CrossFit as well. We, we want to, we're going to have our influencers that are based in Hong Kong because it's easy to get all the content done. But then I want to stretch it into Asia and, and the Philippines is a, is a big place. One of, yeah. one of our girls, um, uh, Izzy Wolf, she finished second in China. So she's uh, Taiwanese, but she was, she was, um, she lived in, in Manila for most of her life. So she's got a good influence there. But, um, uh, Japan and Philippines, and Singapore seem quite, quite high up with the, or quite at a certain level with CrossFit anyway. Yeah, yeah, she was, she was telling me it's pretty big there. Yeah. It's pretty big um, there. And I mean, the population, it's not small, right? It's like almost exactly. 100 million people. Yeah. And so. I would look at it a bit differently as well. I know, I know a lot of people in the West, certainly in America, and certainly like coming from Ireland, people look at CrossFit and kind of, if you're not involved, look at it at a, with a negative light. <laughs> Uh, and would kind of say very it's very cultish and stuff, but I think that attitude is a bit different in Asia um, from the way they look at it. Like it just would be another it'd be another gym or another form of exercise. It's not yeah. looked at in a negative light. No, so it doesn't have that stereotype there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would think like if again if people saw a, a brand and if it was affiliated with CrossFit, it wouldn't necessarily be a big issue to them. <coughs> so um, yeah, and I do yeah, as a, like I do want to have as many influencers across Asia as possible um, and people who are keen to sort of get on board with 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 a new brand and I think I'm sure he's heard of heard of um, the two lads I'm working with so that's kind of the tie-in with the whole whole thing as well any new any new like uh, business books and like podcasts and stuff that you've been listening to um what have I been listening to I was listening to this is a real clickbait name I will teach you to be rich <laughs> Uh, he was on some podcast. What's his name? That's a that's a book, right? Like it's a book. Yeah, country. it's it's actually he's very good. He's an Indian guy, Indian American guy. Um, Ramit something. I know the book. Ramit Seat. It's actually very good. Yeah. Really, really basic tips on investing and savings and watching your money. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoying it. It's. It's just funny when you when you hear someone say say something as simple as setting up a savings account and put X amount of money in, um, yeah. and then just from the personal side of investing, um, 
just lots of good tips on investing in the um, S&P index 500 in America, which hasn't, I think has turned over uh, each year on average of 8% for the last 30 years. Um, so I've been listening to that. Um, I started using a thing online called Skillshare. Um, so it's an online platform with basically business owners, entrepreneurs, CEOs from all over the world and all different industries. And they put videos up of how they've done things and how they've set up brands and how they've created brands. And you have uh, artists showing you how to draw pictures and all different types of things. Um, I found it really, really um, handy um, with building my internal business plan for the apparel brand. So just, I was watching one yesterday, the guy who created Echo United, the, the, the clothing brand from yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he did uh, his- Isn't his name Mark Echo? Mark Echo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he did, um, he did uh, a business, um, a, a business sort of <clears throat> plan or program based on the 10 crack commandments by Big Smalls. Yeah. So he went through each commandment and related it to business, which is, I, I, I really relate to because I'm a big fan. So I thought it was really, just really cool. That's hilarious. Um, and and his, his take on what, what Biggie was trying to say and put across. So that was, that was really cool. And just picking up lots of different points from these type of videos that I suppose putting it into words about what I've been thinking about for my business plan. So I've been working on the plan for, for months and certain things that I would struggle to get down in words or how I'm, how I'm seeing it in my head. Yeah. Um, so I find that really, really helpful. Um, yeah, Skillshare. Awesome. Just thinking, is there anything else that we didn't talk about? No, I suppose we've kind of covered the family stuff, the connections, the more connections in Hong Kong. I think that's yeah. everything. That's good. All right. Um, so if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Um, newlandsourcing.com. Um, the sourcing dude's still going, not with much success. Uh, I did, sorry, I did uh, have a plan for the social media side of things for about six months yeah. that I was working on uh, with, the, with the company in the UK. Uh, got a bit of uptake, but very, very little. Like people asked me to source one thing. Um, so I've kind of decided to put that on a bit of a back burner um, just with expenses building up. But it's still, Instagram's still still going. Um, and then, yeah, my contact details are all on newlandsourcing.com. Awesome. Right, guys, if you want to reach out to us, it's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. And uh, if you want to check out the show notes, it's sourcefinasia.com slash made in China. And of course, we have all the links that Alan mentioned in the description of this video below. So like, comment, share, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.